Welcome everybody to another episode of Stay in Your Lane. Uh, today we happen to have uh, uh, the, the fortunate opportunity to bring another guest on. I think everyone's thoughts are, uh, what's the economy doing? What's it been doing? And where are we headed moving forward? So today we've invited Dan North. Uh, Dan, say hi. He is the Chief Economist for Allianz Trade. And uh, he's going to give us uh, his perspective of what he sees coming and uh, some markers and things like that that uh, hopefully will help a lot of our viewers understand uh, economically what we're going through. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. Let me just take a quick look back at what's happened in the past couple of years because it really is important as to uh, understanding where we are now. So obviously we had the pandemic in 2020 and the whole economy was shut down. And as a result, you know, we had these fiscal packages which ended up pumping $5 trillion into the economy. And we had very loose monetary policy as well. So the economy made a big recovery in the third quarter of 2020. And it turns out 2021 was the fastest year of growth in over three decades. Um, so that was great. And those fiscal policies provided people with a lot of money to spend. Spending is 70% of the economy. Fortunately, people still have excess savings to spend. So they have the ability to spend. And consumer confidence or consumers feeling how they do right now is still pretty high. So they have a willingness and the ability to spend. And that's a good formula for growth going forward. So. We think 2022 is still going to be uh, a positive year for growth. Some of the data we're seeing now seems to indicate that it's not going to be quite as positive as we thought it might have been a few months ago. But we have that savings. We also have plenty of work in the pipeline. We have these measures of new and back orders uh, for both on manufacturing and services, which provide uh, employment and economic activity going forward for months. More recent indicators are still pretty strong. So growth prospects are, are okay. But let's look back again at 2020 and what the government response was because it was all this fiscal policy and this very, very loose monetary policy by the Federal Reserve. Okay, so the government has two tools, fiscal policy and monetary policy. And they both uh, are causing enormous inflation, particularly monetary policy. The Federal Reserve, when the pandemic came along, set interest rates to zero and created uh, an enormous amount of money in the economy, basically virtual money printing for emergency conditions. Right thing to do. But then it kept those emergency conditions in place for a year and a half after the emergency was over. The economy made a big recovery in the third quarter of 2020, the S&P 500 came in back. So, you know, by then, let's, we should have turned down a little bit. Well, the Federal Reserve did not. It kept rates at 0% and kept pumping money into the economy for another year and a half. And it kept saying, oh, this inflation you're seeing last year, don't worry about it. It's transitory. Don't worry about it. Every few months, it's transitory. Well, finally, 
in December of 2021, they said, yeah, maybe it's not transitory after all. And then they kept pumping money into the economy for another four months, and they waited another four months to raise interest rates for the first time. The point is the Federal Reserve kept things so loose you know, too much easy money for too long at 0% rates, classic formula for inflation and for tears. And it's the major source of inflation we have now. Now, of course, there's the supply chain and the labor shortage raising wages, but it's monetary policy, in my opinion, that has caused this inflation. And that's the major risk, of course, that we're facing in this economy. Big problem with monetary policy is you can't just turn it around in an instant. It takes three to five quarters for changes in monetary policy to go through the economy. So, okay, we've raised interest rates 75 basis points. That's not going to be felt in the economy all the way through till the end of this year. So that's why there's going to be, you know, six, seven more 25 basis point hikes. It brings us to 3%. And what that does is, and this is so common in the Federal Reserve is, they have to raise rates very aggressively now to fight inflation. And they're gonna raise them so high that I think it's quite likely we will be facing a recession later in 2023. Okay, growth this year, 2023 not looking so good at this point. Wow. So, so from your perspective, you're, you're saying and seeing that it's going to take three to five quarters for us to really feel the impact of the interest rate hikes, etc. What is the impact going to be, do you anticipate, from a, a, a high level, because I, I understand where you're at, from the high level, what does that do to the average person? Well, you've seen, for instance, mortgage rates jump up dramatically and have a big effect in the housing market. So it's there's a direct effect. And you would see credit card rates go up, auto loan rates go up, personal loan. And that's kind of the idea when the federal when the Fed raises interest rates, is it's trying to slow the economy. You know, a higher interest rate means fewer houses will be bought. Higher interest rate means that there will be fewer cars bought, fewer loans made. You know, if you're a corporation, you, you have to uh, reach a certain return, and that'll be higher, harder to do with higher interest rate. So it's meant to slow the economy, and it works. And that's why I say every time a central bank raises rates to fight inflation, it slows the economy. Um, and, you know, I think we're starting to see some signs of that already. Again, we're pretty hopeful that uh, this year will show positive growth. It's getting to look a little bit slower all the time, uh, but positive this year. And uh, then next year, not so good. So you think we'll, we'll hang in there through 2022, but in 2023, the second half of it, it's going to be pretty tough. Yeah, I think so. And it's not just what the Federal Reserve is doing. 
you know, there's this one of those measures that uh, economists like to look at. It's this thing called the Treasury Yield Curve. And basically all it does is look at the difference between short-term interest rates and long-term interest rates. And that's usually like this, long-term rates higher than short-term rates. But once in a while, like now, the Federal Reserve will jack up short-term rates to the point they're higher than long-term rates. So that relationship, which is normally positive, goes negative and the yield curve inverts. And that is a virtually certain indicator of a coming recession. Now, again, there is a lead there of three to five quarters. So it gives us warning of three to five quarters. It hasn't inverted yet. So we still are in the clear for another year by that measure. But when it does, it's a pretty strong signal. And it's not just the yield curve or Federal Reserve actions. There are usually a few things come together at once. And that's where we are now. We've got a war that is driving up commodity prices. Oil prices have started rising even before the invasion of Ukraine, pretty sharply, probably because of all that uh, weak monetary policy. And typically, when you go back and look at history, spikes in oil prices are almost always associated with recessions. You know, this is a big headline, oil prices, gasoline prices just are record high. And of course, diesel fuel is, is out of sight. So, it's, you know, this is one of the things that goes along with uh, creating a recession. To piggyback on the backside of, the, of what you've said, uh, we're being, you know, we're being told that don't expect the diesel market to change anytime soon. It is, uh, it is a numbers thing from a production perspective, meaning we're not in a position globally, it's not just here, it's everywhere in the world, we're not in a, in a position to refine and provide enough diesel because it's a byproduct of, of gasoline and it's not, you don't get the same amount of diesel that you do from, from a barrel that you do from gasoline or other things. So we're being, we're being told that not to expect that to be one of the things that changes. I don't see relief on the horizon is what we're being told from a, a diesel perspective, which is a big indicator and factor in our market. Um, there are different factors, I think, in, in our market, but what you're, what you're sharing with us is, is a huge value um, for us and for our listeners because, you know, we've been through and we've seen this, the dot-com bubble, the housing bubble, uh, all of those things happened, but I don't think we were in a, a large recession and we didn't have extremely high interest rates through those periods and inflation to contend with. Now you've got inflation to contend with at a high level to try and slow this thing down because maybe we got it, you know, the, the, the financial decisions um, have, have got it maybe a little bit too, gotten too far out in front of the skis, right? Yeah, could could well be the case. Um, you know, uh, you see this certainly in the financial markets uh, being very skittish, and more than skittish, I should I would say over the past few months. Now you'd mentioned diesel fuel. It's the trouble with 
uh, fuels like diesel and gasoline, they actually don't vary as much as crude prices. It seems like they vary a lot more, but in percentage terms, they actually don't. The trouble is most prices are sticky. So diesel, you know, you might get oil prices, crude oil prices come down rapidly, but gasoline and diesel fuel prices, well, they'll come down, but a lot more slowly. Not at the same rate they increase. Yeah, yeah. And not be slower than, than the increase. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's the same thing with gasoline prices. Very sticky. Don't like to come down. They will. And diesel has to compete with gasoline and jet fuel and that sort of thing. So there's kind of a, uh, an issue of supply and demand there as well uh, that's a little bit tougher for, for diesel, I think. And, and when you think about it, Trucks deliver everything, uh, and that's that's one of the reasons why food prices are going up so rapidly. They, just transportation is adding significant amounts to virtually everything that you know has to come in by truck, and percentage-wise, that's uh, that's an awful lot of stuff. Oh, definitely. Uh, from a market perspective, uh, you know the long haul, the over-the-road position is the hardest to fill and the majority of growth hasn't been in that mode the majority of growth is in the regional you know the e-commerce business uh the the drivers that were over the road now having the ability of of finding local work uh that wasn't there previously so there's going to be a a pushback we anticipate as that slows down to force some of them to uh to go under the umbrella of big companies uh to lease on and then also to go back you know, to over-the-road work because the regional work will slow down also as this economy starts to turn. So I think we've seen the first dip from an e-commerce perspective in the country the past quarter. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't seen that in years because you know, COVID kind of helped and, and pushed that, uh, you know, the speed of that transition. And we all understand that's permanent now in the market shift at this stage of the game. So. Uh, there's so many factors. I don't know that anybody has the crystal ball, but uh, you know, I definitely appreciate the value that you've, you've shared with us. Cheers. Very good. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you.